Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Payments Podium. I'm the payments professor, Kevin Olson. And with me today, I have an honored guest, Mr. David Walker. Now, David is here, and he's going to talk to us about electronically created items. And when it comes to electronically created items, we're going to be talking in the realm of checks. Well, David has got a lot of years of experience in banking and a lot of years in experience in checks. He's actually got, well, let's go with about four decades worth of experience. He's currently the owner and president of Tiller Endeavors, which is a consulting firm that specializes in the payment system. Many of you out there who have been around for a while probably remember that David was the CEO of ECHO, the Electronic Check Clearinghouse Organization, for about 17 years. David was also instrumental and played a big part in the passage of the Check 21 Act. He even attended the presidential signing ceremony in the Oval Office for that act, which we all know in checks that did wonders for us in the checking community. He was a member of the Faster Payments Task Force, so he's not just checks, he also knows a lot about faster payments and payments in general as well. He's also been chairman of the legal work group of the task force and a member of the government's framework formation team and a director of the interim board of the U.S. Faster Payments Council. So David is very active, very knowledgeable when it comes to payments. And we've been talking recently, and one of the things that we decided would be a great topic, one that actually he brought to me, was electronically created items, or ECIs. They are something that can be wonderful in the industry, and they're something that have caused some headaches in the industry as well. And what we want to really do is we want to go through and get everybody a good, firm understanding on electronically created items. Where did they come from? What do we see now? And David's also going to enlighten us at the end with, what are some of the possibilities of what can be done with ECIs? So, David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, address the group through this uh, podcast. And we're going to start uh, our discussion by talking a little bit about background considerations. Uh, as everybody on the podcast will know that consumers have many different choices today in the payments that they might use. It seems that every few days you've got some new payment option that's being announced, and those payments are always directed primarily, if not exclusively, at consumers. But when you talk about what the business options are, well, the different consideration. Uh, businesses continue to primarily use the check as their payment of choice. They've had options for many decades, three or more decades, but haven't adopted, by and large, electronic options in to replace the, uh, the paper check option. And so we're going to talk a bit about why that's the case uh, and why ECIs might address that uh, for businesses. So with, with that little bit of background, let's, let's talk about why businesses um, haven't uh, adopted widely electronic options, even though they've had them available for, as I say, over three decades. Hey, you know well, what? That is a great question, David, because I, I get that all the time. People are like, why are we still using checks? And when you tell them that, what is it, 72 to 76 percent of all checks are business-to-business payments, they're like, well, why are businesses still using them? So we really do want to hear this. Why is it that businesses are still using the check? Well, the other, the other percentage I will tell you, Kevin, is that there's probably still three quarters or better 
of the payments that businesses make that are still checks. And so they have a very, very high concentration of checks. And it's not that they don't use other payment types because clearly they do. Well, there's there's a host of reasons why they haven't made the transition. Uh, and believe me, we could spend all day long going through every one of those reasons. But let me just summarize it by saying the other choices that the businesses have are difficult and expensive to implement. And some have actually been in the process for quite a number of years and haven't been broadly accepted. And when you look at all those things in, in the aggregate, uh, I like to say that the the, the the reason in the end deals with the return on investment that businesses can expect if they make that transition. Uh, and uh, today, um, uh, all of those other options, those other electronic options, have failed the market test of business acceptance of those. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is that they lack uh, a positive uh, return on investment or ROI. So, Let's talk about that for just well, a moment. Well, so, actually, on that too, you know, one of the things that I've told people just to sum it up, because, you know, I, I try as a payments professor is let's just make it simple. And I tell them, think about this. Everybody's used a check for decades. Everybody knows how to use a check. Every financial institution accepts and processes checks. And if you look at right. the software that's available, there's generic software for all industries that allows them to process checks. But you go a little deeper, there's a lot of industries that have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars on payment processing software that ties into their industry, like let's say, for example, the healthcare that relies on being able to process a check and the information for a check. So they're, they're really tied into the check. And if they were to suddenly jump to a different payment system, they don't know if it's going to be accepted everywhere. They don't know exactly how it will interact with their current software as well. And that's where really the big roadblock comes in. Well, I, I think all that is exactly right. Um, and I, I tend to, Kevin, look at this uh, from the business decision perspective of what would cause a business to want to make that investment, to make that transition to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, clearly there are um, lots of expense that could be saved by businesses if they were to get away from paper because paper is expensive uh, and it would be better for them to use an electronic process. But for most businesses, payments are, it's a part of their overhead. It's a part of their administration. It's not their primary business. And so the question generally then, going at the high level, even away from payments, is why will businesses ever invest in overhead expenses? You know, they don't make any money from that, so why would they do that? Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer simply is based on two things. One, they will either make the investment because they can get a greater return from that investment than they can by investing in their regular goods and services, or the current process is broken and it prevents them from doing their normal business. And they, they simply have a, a good reason and motivation to go fix that problem. Lacking either of those two, why would a business ever make that investment? Because they're going to make less money. And if you think about, uh, from the perspective of a company that is publicly traded, they have an obligation to maximize those profits for their uh, their shareholders. And, and and investing in something that provides you less of a return doesn't do that. So as a result, uh, if they're not getting that high return on investment, they're simply not going to do it. 
and it needs to be a predictable return. Agreed. And if you think about the predictability part, you know, businesses, at least that have been around for a little while, know what they can expect in the way of a return from the, their normal goods and services. And so it's a fairly straightforward process to look at what's required to make the transition uh, in the, uh, the, the overhead area. Uh, and if it, it will yield a bigger return, they're going to go do it. And if not, they're not going to do it. Now, in the case of check payments specifically, uh, the check system works. It isn't broken. And as you've said, the businesses continue to rely on it. And so they don't have the, 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 the reason to invest in that overhead because it's broken. So therefore, we have to look at what kind of return that businesses can expect to get by making that investment. So let's talk about that for just a moment, Kevin. So okay. how, do, how do businesses actually get a return from making this transition from a paper to an electronic payment? Well, if I want to make a payment to you, I have to, to change and I want to do it a different process. I've got to change the whole processes up before I can make the payment to you. And then you have to be willing to make the changes on your side to receive and process that as another business. And that's what we're talking more business to business as another business. That's correct. That's correct. And so this isn't a unilateral decision. It takes two of us to do this in order to achieve any savings whatsoever. And if only one of us is willing to make the investment, then certainly neither one of us is going to get any return. And in the environment where you have a fairly high initial uh, investment, the threshold is pretty high then for how you ever get a return uh, from that initial investment. And as long as there's not a mandate for businesses to, to make the transition to electronics. This podcast is brought to you by the VSoft Corporation. VSoft offers core processing, digital banking, and payment processing solutions for financial institutions of all sizes. Follow us on Twitter at VSoft underscore corp and online at VSoftCorp.com. Okay, back to the show. I know when we look at a lot of other countries and why they have gone away from checks and why they've gone to electronic paper or electronic checks on away from paper is because the government got involved. The government said there's going to be a mandate. You're going to be required. This is how things are going to be done moving forward. And they even got rid of some of the older or let's go air quote time, older check systems that they didn't believe to be as efficient. Yet I do believe check systems are quite efficient. So we don't have that in the U.S. We don't have that mandate. So what is causing, you know, again, the businesses to stay on the check systems? Well, the, the answer is that without some sort of a mandate, the uh, businesses will have to get that return that we've been talking about, Kevin. And the return only happens when both parties are willing to make the investment and in a, and in a similar time frame. And without that, neither party is going to get a return. And so, therefore, there'll be reluctance for either of them to make the uh, necessary investment. And that will then uh, take you down the path of, with an uncertain return. They don't make the investment, and they're not going to if they have an uncertain return. And it's unlikely that they will transition from the current paper check system that they have now. And that's the basic problem that we've had for the past 30-plus years. I don't see anything in the new offerings that's being 
uh, currently promoted that really changes that basic economic dynamic. All right, well, let's get into ECIs because we've been having the ability since 2005 to be able to actually scan a check and make it electronic and send it to the financial institution for process, which allows it to be received by a business or even by a consumer into their account without having to handle the paper. Because I'll tell you the truth as a consumer, and I, I you know, I'm an NCP, I love working with checks. I've advised businesses for years and banks and credit unions for years on how to use checks. But if I get a check in the mail, that is just one thing that makes me go, oh God. But then I realize, oh wait, I can just scan the check and submit it in. Whereas an ECI, it's really a little bit different. Is there any way you can you know, give us the cliff note version of what an ECI is and how it works? Sure. Um, it, uh, before we quite do that, a few more comments, I think, that, uh, that support what you've been saying. Okay. You know, checks are, are frequently not the best option uh, for payments, and particularly for consumer payments. And so you've, you've seen, by and large, consumers have stopped using checks, and, uh, and that's, that's probably very positive. And if we had a similar kind of acceptable options for businesses, uh, they would too. So you mentioned a little bit about the past um, on checks. Um, it, we should say, Kevin, that the check system is the only truly ubiquitous payment system that we have in the U.S. And it's been present in the U.S. and even prior to the U.S. So we've got hundreds of years of a ubiquitous payment system that already exists. So it's not like we don't have one and we got to create one. We can create better ones or enhancements to that. But you mentioned since 2005. Well, since 2005, uh, the, uh, the, the check system has, has rapidly made the transaction from being paper-based to electronic-based. Uh, and at this point, um, the, there have been since the, the 2000, end of 2010, approximately 170 billion checks that have been cleared electronically between the banks. But what we haven't done as an industry is we haven't made the last two parts of that system electronic. They're still paper-based. And those mm -hmm. two parts are writing the check and delivering it to the payee. As you've indicated, once you've received that check, you can electronically deposit it. It goes to the check system. It's cleared electronically. It's even returned electronically. And so it's really only those first two parts on the front end. Now, how does that relate to ECIs? Well, if you could use uh, a, a fully electronic transaction from the get-go, you could initiate an electronic payment and receive an electronic payment and electronically deposit that thing, then you can use the existing uh, check system. So what an ECI does is it uh, is based on the assumption, and we'll talk about a business example, where a business will pull from its existing accounts payable system, which resides on its computer, and so therefore it's digital. We, we can pull from that uh, accounts payable system the information uh, that uh, to make the payment, we can format that uh, record into an existing standard format, um, and then we can transmit that record to the payee who can receive it and then interface it with their uh, electronic deposit system, whether it's a note deposit capture or, or some other mechanism, and deposit it directly into their bank. And So and if I heard you right, did, did you basically just said, instead of having a paper check in my hand, 
what I could imagine, you know, for the people listening out there, just imagine on your computer screen, there's a picture of a check and it's a check for your business or it's your, maybe if it was a personal check, let's say, but let's think in your business and you say, pull the data. What it basically does is it's able to pull the data for the payment it needs to make, whether it's to a consumer or to another business. And it populates that electronic image on the screen Everything you would find on the paper check you have in hand, but it does it all electronically. It does it all on the screen for you and it creates everything electronically. So nothing ever really exists in the paper world in that example. That's exactly right. If you think about business accounts payable systems today, when you go to pay something, they will pull the record and for most of their payments, they actually print the check out. Well, in this case, uh, rather than printing the check, they would simply create uh, effectively an electronic image of of that, but they would do it from the digital process, not not by printing a piece of paper and then scanning can, it. Can we tell everybody why we have to print it and why we have the paper and why we're not already doing this? Because I know there's some people that are listening and some people, when I explain this to them, they're like, well, why don't we already just go ahead and do that? Well, there isn't any provision in the law that defines what these kinds of transactions are. Uh, and that and that's really the first thing, uh, uh, Kevin. If you think about when we did uh, check image exchange, there wasn't anything in the law that defined check images either. Check 21 uh, encouraged and facilitated the use of technology, uh, and, and it allowed you to use image to produce a substitute piece of paper, but didn't really... Uh, define what the electronic image was. Uh, we needed industry rules in order to do that, and, and we did that. Uh, Fed put in its, uh, its set of rules in private sector, primarily the ECHO rules, uh, were there for that. But we don't have the, the, uh, the legal definition of what these transactions are. So this is, this is not a, a new problem for us. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it, it's been around for a long time, and with the new faster payments options that are being available, those transactions aren't currently defined in law either. And so as a result, even for those transactions, if you don't use the paper check system or the check, the electronic check system, we're going to have so to put it, in. it really comes down to a check has to exist in paper because that's how it's defined by the law. And if you wonder why is it defined in law like that? Well, checks have been around for hundreds of years. And the laws and rules and regulations built around processing checks were allowed long before computers. So, you know, the people who built these laws and these rules and regulations, they didn't have the foresight of computers coming. I mean, I can't say they should have in any way. And it's just a case that we really haven't been able to update our rules and laws yet. So everything is still based around the check being a piece of paper. That's correct. And, um, and by creating these fully electronic payments, they would flow through the check system. Uh, Kevin, they may not legally be checks, and I don't really want to go down that road because we could spend again the rest of the, the afternoon talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, they wouldn't legally be checks, but they would be processed as if they were checks. They would look and act just like checks. They'd go through the existing processes. Um, uh, they would just simply be electronic. Uh, and uh, even more efficient, not for the banking system, because the banking system is already fully electronic. It'd be more efficient for the bank's customers. And in this case, we're really focusing on our, our, the businesses, which don't have other options that they find acceptable. The other options are expensive and difficult to implement, uh, and uh, as a result, haven't really been accepted. The other part of the business payment that's really critical uh, and you mentioned a, a healthcare example earlier. 
is not only making the payment, but also providing the remittance information that goes That's along right. with that. Uh, and there are some organizations that produce a tremendous volume of remittance information, and those are mostly associated with like medical payments, although not exclusively for that. Well, one of the beauties of using an ECI is that the, the payer and the payee do basically the same things with an ECI that they do with a paper check. At the time that the ECI is produced, the remittance data is also produced, both are transmitted directly from the payer to the payee. And then the payee simply strips off the payment information and electronically deposits it. Uh, and then they can strip off the remittance data and they can handle that as they do today. They work on paper, they can simply print it out and work off paper. Uh, if they have a way to interface with, that'll, that with their electronic accounts receivable system, then they'll do an electronic interface uh, and go from there. The latter is more difficult, uh, and as a result, businesses have done less of that across time. Well, I, I think, too, people don't always understand what remittance is. It's, it's crazy how often I get that question, and I will tell them, right. well, if you ever wrote a check, and let's say you're paying your electric bill, and you know how in the memo line it has you enter what your account number is at the electric company? Well, that's a form of remittance, and it's because it allows your electric company to know, hey, I've got this check, and if it loses the remittance you know, form that goes with it that you mail in, it still knows how to apply that item to your account. And that right. is an extremely valuable to businesses that people overlook that getting a payment's one thing, but applying that payment to the correct account is huge. I mean, just imagine all of you listening that if you go to pay your car payment and they get the check, but they don't know who to apply it to, or say you've got multiple cars that you're paying on and they get a payment from you, they can identify you, but they don't know which car payment does this go to. That's what the remittance process serves us for in, in industries like we've mentioned healthcare. That's incredible. If they get that wrong, there is actually issues they can have if, you know, it's Medicare, Medicaid related or depending on the health insurance industry that they're working with as well. And it's in multiple industries. And the check is one system that I believe actually the one system that does it the best to being able to handle that remittance data because it's there in your hands. It's part of the reason why businesses continue to use it. Actually, I'll say it's a big reason why many of the businesses continue to use it. Now, Kevin, you started off talking about uh, an example that was really a consumer example with paying your electric bill. Mm -hmm. and, and let me just expand on that a little bit. So, so while my focus is primarily on businesses, think about you know somebody that's paying their electric bill, but they're, the bill they get from the electric company is for their residents, uh, it's for a parent's, you know, residence. Uh, it's for um, uh, maybe a child's um, uh, uh, that they're renting for college or something else. There may be multiples of those different accounts that have to be properly um, uh, recognized. Uh, and all of that's important for consumers uh, in some cases, as well as uh, for businesses, but especially uh, uh, for businesses. So the remittance data is really critical, and the check system handles that better than any, any of the other systems. Uh, the remittance and the payment go together, makes it easy to reconcile, fits the normal process that they're accustomed to, um, and so they don't have to make uh, expensive or, uh, or changes that disrupt their business and create new risk and things for them uh, as well. So I've described what little has to be done in order to transition businesses from paper payments 
to these electronic ECI payments. So you can see that if it's only a matter of reformatting data and transmitting data, that's the new expense, and you get to save all the paper-related expense on the other side. That's not a very big threshold to have to overcome in order to, to achieve a return on that investment. And so in this case with an ECI, I can get a positive return as a business, likely from my very first ECI partner, where with the other options that have been available historically, I would have to get a lot of these of electronic exchange partners in place before I could overcome the larger investment threshold that I have on the front end. So I can get an ECI, positive ECI, virtually from the beginning with a minimal investment um, from the businesses. And on the banking side, the banks have already made all the investment. As a matter of fact, not only have they made all the investment in exchanging images, they've already got their return from several years ago. So they're, they've completely amortized all their initial expenses. All they're getting is additional profits uh, from the savings that they're getting from this. Okay. Well, David, let me stop you right there because we're, we're starting to run out of time and I'm loving this conversation. I, I think what we've been able to do is hopefully all of our listeners out there have realized what an ECI is. Hopefully you've got a better understanding of how important the remittance data is and are getting some understanding of why we're still doing things paper-based, but are now at that point of realizing you can easily or probably more easily implement an ECI system than you can a lot of other payment options that are out there. There's a great way to get return on it investment. It is, and I would even say a ubiquitous system that's out there as far as the check world. And let's you know, leave them with a cliffhanger and say, come back next week for part two, and we'll finish this discussion on how a business can implement ECIs, where they're going to be effective, and even get into where they're going to go into the future. So if you guys all would come back next week or next time that the podcast, the next podcast, we'll have part two of this discussion on ECIs with David Walker. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.